If you have your Bible, keep your thumb, finger, screen on Hebrews 11. Look at our screens, Genesis 6, and look at verse 12. If you've been around church at all, you are somewhat familiar with this story. If not, I'm going to get you familiar with it, Genesis 6 and 12. Stay with me this morning. I'm going somewhere. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me. For the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Now look what he says to Noah. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Rooms shalt thou make in the ark, and shall pitch it within and without with pitch. That's a slime that he wanted him to use. Look down at verse 17. Behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, wherein is the breath of life from under heaven. And everything that is in the earth shall die. But with thee will I establish my covenant, and thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons' wives with thee. And if you read the context, he goes on to talk about the animals. Two of every unclean animal, seven of every clean animal used for sacrifice. So he brings the animals on board. Look at verse 22. And thus did Noah. Underline that. Thus did Noah. God said build a boat. Thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him, so did he. So 120 years of building, 120 years of building this boat, and then him and his family enter the ark. Chapter 7, verse 17, and the flood was 40 days upon the earth, and the waters increased, and bare up the ark. And it was lift up above the earth. And the waters prevailed and were increased greatly upon the earth. And the ark went upon the face of the waters. Father, I ask you right now to let my words be precise. Let everything that I aim at be right on the bullseye. May your words speak to your people, inspire us change somebody's life today. Change a Christian's life today with what I'm going to tell them out of your word. I'll give you the praise and glory for it. I won't take any credit. I deserve none of it. You're worthy of all the glory. Do it for your name's sake. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, Noah spent his life building something. And the something that he built was something he built for God. And what I like about Noah is that he built something that would go up when everything else came down. Do you notice that? He built something that would rise when everything else sank. And what he built, it changed the world. Noah built something that made a difference. He built something that today in 2019... We are still talking about it. Noah, I guess you could say, he built his own boat. Noah built his own boat. And, and the big question I think that you and I probably need to ask ourselves today is, what am I building? 
What, 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 what am I building? And it is what I'm building with my life isn't making a difference. Am, am, am I building something that people are going to talk about when I'm gone? Am I building something that has a potential to change the world? Am I building something that's going to rise up when everything else comes down? Or am I building something that is going to sink to the bottom and drown with everything else around it? Am I building something, here we go, that will float when nothing else or nobody else does? Like Noah, I think we were meant to build our own boat. And that's the declaration I want to tell you today. You were meant to build your own boat. In fact, you need to, in your mind, and I don't care if you even say it out loud, but in your mind, at some point in your spirit, it needs to resonate, or it needs to resonate in you that this is my boat to build. It's my boat. Nobody's going to build it for me. Nobody's getting in line to assemble this project for me. I have one life to live. I have one boat to build. It's my boat to build. God has a plan for you, and it includes your boat. The reality is the weather's going to change soon. And you better build something that's made for the flood and the rain. You better build something that's going to last. You better build something that's going to rise up. You better build something that's going to float. And what I love about the book of Hebrews in chapter 11 and verse number 7, the author, the writer, captures the story of Noah and his work of faith, and he does it in one verse of summary. In chapter 11, verse 7, he says this, By faith, Noah being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. So I don't want to pave a long introduction. Very quickly, I want to show you several realities very quickly about building your own boat. Are you ready for them? They're going to help you. They're going to inspire you. One, I want you to see Noah, he moved. All right, everybody say moved. He moved. Verse 7 says this, by faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, notice what it says, he moved. Now I'll read that verse again because everybody's trying to figure out who fell over. Verse 7, by faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved. That word moved means he acted on what he knew. He acted on what he knew. I like this. It was Noah's faith that moved him to see his future. He saw something by faith that was not yet there. He saw something that had not yet happened. But everything he saw by faith, he got it from God and it moved him. I wrote this down. God told me to tell you this. God downloaded something in his head. He got a download. A download is where you copy data from one system to another. And God took something from the system of heaven and copied it into the system of earth. God took something from the system of the celestial and he copied it into the system of the terrestrial. God took something from the heavenlies and he copied it into the system of the carnal. God downloaded it in his mind. God said, it's going to rain. Now build me a boat. That's what happened. That is the long and short of it. God downloaded some information that Noah needed to receive, and he said, it's going to rain. Ain't happened yet. In fact, to this point in time, it's never happened. The earth has been watered from the mist of the ground. 
the, the earth has arguably been watered from the melting polar caps on the atmosphere. The earth has never, ever seen rain. But it's going to rain, Noah. Build this boat for me. Have you ever had God download anything? You've had God download something in you and it moved you. I remember when God downloaded something in me. He said, start a church. I said, what? He said, start another church. I said, do what? But it moved me. I was moved to do something. I was moved to be something. I was moved to achieve something. I was moved by the belief that it could happen. And I was moved by the belief it could happen with me. And faith, it was faith. That was the vehicle. That was, that was the method in which God chose to do this. Faith moved me to see something that had not yet happened in my life, and that moved me. Are you with me this morning? I, I, what I like about Noah, he was the perfect guy to navigate a boat because he lived open sail. He lived open sail. He, was, he never lived closed sail. He was always open to whatever way the Spirit's wind wanted to blow. And when you live open sail, you'll be moved by the slightest prompting of God's Holy Spirit. You're easy to be moved because you're always open to what it is God has on his mind. And, and one thing you need to remember about God is not every single move is major. And not every single move is minor. See, sometimes God needs to move you a mile, and that's a drastic life change. Sometimes God just needs to move you an inch, and that's a slight calibration of your daily activity. Like, like a minor move, because when I say a major move, a, a major move is getting saved, a major move is go start a church, a major move is relocate to do this ministry, a major move is go take this job, a major move is sell your house, sell this, go do that, a major, major move, but a minor move is do a budget. A slight, God's moving, a slight calibration. We have a boat to build, I, I need to move you slightly, uh, 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 cut back on your sodas. Cut back on your sweets. Cut back on your salt. A, a minor move. Stuff that God cares about. We think God doesn't care about that. God don't care about Coke. Yeah, God cares about Coke if Coke's killing you. And there's two kinds of Coke. Depends on which kind of Coke is your vice. <laughs> a, 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 a minor move. Just, I got to calibrate an inch here. When you move you because you're off. And based on the degrees you're set for, you're going to end up in the wrong spot. I got to slightly cal- Just move. Open sail. Slightly calibrate. Pray with your kids. That's hard to do. Tithe your paycheck every time you get paid. 10% every time. Slight calibration. Some of us are like, that's 10 miles. No, that's, a, that's an inch. With God, that's an inch. Invite her to church. Invite, invite him to church. And that, that's, that's God, because when God moves you, he's moving you to take action. He's moving you to take action. We're waiting on God to move a lot of times, and God's going... Open your cell, dummy. I'm trying to move you. He wants you to take action. And let me say this. Taking action, I'm going to take action. It doesn't necessarily guarantee you accomplish something great every single time. But I will say this. If you take zero action, I can guarantee you, you will accomplish nothing every single time. When you're moved, when, when, when you are moved to build your own boat, when you are moved to throw yourself at something God's revealed to you, you, you cannot resume BAU. 
You cannot resume business as usual. You can't go on like, when you're moved, you can't go on like you didn't hear it. When you are moved, you can't act like you didn't see it. Like it, it's, it's going to get you. It's going gonna, it's gonna to bother you. It's going to be on you. It's going to be in you. You can't unsee it. You can't unhear it. You can't unknow it. You can't undo it. It happened. God said it. God showed it to you. God, he blew on you, and now, 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 now you're moved. No BAU. You, you, and here's, when you're moved, you know what you need to do. You leave knowing what you need to do. You close the book, know what you need to do. You quit praying, know what you need to do. They spoke to you, you walk away knowing what you need to do. When you're moved, you have to go do it. Like you have to do it. You have to take action. And what I really love about Noah is he moved in a world that didn't. He, he moved in a world that was immobile, stagnant, still, apathetic towards God and his will. And Noah was moved because he wanted what God wanted. My question to you today is, are you moved? Or are you like the world that surrounded Noah, not moved by anything? What moves you? What is it that God has downloaded in you and you're moved? Like you can't keep going like it never was said. You've got to do something about it. My commission to you is move now, move today. You don't need to move next week. You don't need to move next year. You don't need to think. Listen, sometimes there's nothing to pray about. There's, a, there's some things God just put in his word. It's like, I need to fix that. I need to do that. I need to change that. You ain't got nothing to pray about. And some of us have nothing to pray about concerning a particular thing that God is willing to move us an inch or a mile because we have a boat to build and like Noah, you've been moved. Yes. Secondly, we see that Noah did something else. He made. Everybody say made. He made. Notice what the writer says, that once he was moved, he prepared an ark. He prepared an ark. He built a boat. Prepared means he was busy making something. He was doing something. He was doing something for himself. He was doing something for others. Ultimately here, though, he was doing something for God. What was he, what was he doing? Well, he built an ark, and this ark was 510 feet long. That is one and a half football fields. You can take three NASA space shuttles nose to tip on the end. 510 feet long. It was 50 feet high, higher than your average four-story modern building. There was enough cargo space inside of this boat that he made to have the same equivalent amount of square footage as 450 semi-truck loads. He was building something. Now, my, my question is, okay, how, how did he make this? Like, how, how did he do this? Well, I mean, he got the wood together, Pastor Derek, and he took the pitch. And he, No, no. What, what, what was it that, that helped him make something? Well, he had vision. Okay, he had, he had vision. He, he could see this. And, and part of the reason he had a vision is because he had heard something. See, in the kingdom of God, you hear before you see. You hear before you see. And he, and he heard something, and, and, and then he, he saw what he heard. <laughs> it hadn't happened yet, but he, but he saw what he heard. And so you, you get a voice, and then you get a vision, and he could see it. He could see, he could see this boat that God wanted him to build. He could see this project that God wanted him to undertake, and God helped him see it. And it's the vision that initially moves you. 
And that, that's why losing vision is so dangerous. When you lose your vision, it's dangerous because Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Yeah. Noah had a grip on this. So he had a vision. He also had a plan. Everybody say plan. plan. Noah had a good plan on how to build this thing. I mean, the Bible clearly lays out how to build the boat. Like, that's why somebody in the world has actually built an exact replica of what Noah's Ark looked like because God laid it out on how to build it. He gave him blueprints. So somebody wrote this down. Either God wrote it down and handed it to Noah, an angel wrote it down and handed it to Noah, or as God was speaking, Noah's like, hang on, say that again? How long? How many cubits? Uh -huh. Where's the window at? Okay. How many doors? One door. Are you sure? Screen door. No, not a screen door. Gotcha. He, he's listening to God. And at some point, there's blueprints for this plan. And what's crazy is a lot of people set out to build their own boat with their life, whatever that is to you. When I say build my own boat, that boat is my life in general, and my marriage is on there, my kids are on there, the church is on there, my personal calling and gifts is on there, my, my testimony, my character, all these things take up my boat. Like, my boat is my life, like. And so when I say, what is your boat, some of you are thinking about parts of your boat. You're thinking about certain rooms of your boat. You're thinking about certain decks of your boat. Or you're thinking about your boat as a whole and all the things that are on your boat that don't need to be on your boat and all the things that should be on your boat that aren't on your boat. When you build this thing called your boat, you need a plan. Like it might help if you started writing stuff down and said, I want to do this and I want to build this and I want it like this and in 10 years I want to have this. And it might help to do what Noah did and write it down. But, but see, this plan didn't just have blueprints. The plan had routine. Think about it. Every day contributed to what he was building. There wasn't a day, Noah, it's going to rain. I'm going to kill everybody. I need you to build this boat. Ah, I think today we're going to go watch a softball game. No, every day it's like I got to build this boat. So he had a routine. He developed a routine of every single day I'm going to contribute to this thing that God told me to build because you build a boat one beam at a time. I'm just going to continue to work on it. And I can see Noah sitting there working on it, working on it, working on it. Working on it day after day. He's got REM on repeat. It's the end of the world as we know it. And he'd say, and I feel fine. You know, can you, I, can, I can see it. So the plan, the plan had a, a blueprint and it had a routine and it had order. It had order. Boat first, zoo second. He had order. God, God laid it out. Do it in this order. And, and listen to me. Disorder will never build a boat. And many of our lives are out of order. And we wonder why there's holes in the bottom of the boat. We wonder why it doesn't float. We wonder why when everything goes down, nothing rises up. We're not, we haven't built a boat that can float because we have no order. We get paid. We don't give first. We don't honor him first. It comes weekend time. We're thinking about Friday, Saturday. Sunday is not even on the radar. There's opportunities everywhere to get plugged into what God is doing in your church, your community, your family, yourself. And you, uh, you know, we'll, we'll think about it. There's, you have nothing to pray for, nothing to pray about with this. 
If there's no order, God's not first. You got your kids above your marriage. Your finances are in disarray. There's no order. You can't build a boat when things are out of order. You're trying to have a pet in zoo, and God's told you to build a boat. His plan had order, had routine, it had a blueprint. The other thing he had besides the vision and the plan is he had tenacity. I like that word because you got to get nasty when you say tenacity. Tenacity. Think about it. He had tenacity. Tenacity is the the, the, the can't-quit gear that you get in, the can't-stop-now gear that you get in, the I'm-not-going-to-give-up gear that you get in. He had tenacity. How do I know he had tenacity? Because it was 120 years. What? 120. I get mad, cuss, and throw a box of Legos after 10 minutes. This joker took 120 years. To build something God put in his head. People give up too easily. People give up too easily. What I like about Noah is he never bought into any of the excuses that other people like you and I probably would have used. People give up and they say things that he could have said. They say things like, this is hard work. <laughs> this is hard work. It's, this is harder than I thought it was going to be. This is harder than I thought it was going to be. They, they give up and they, they say things like, nobody's lining up to get on board with me. Nobody wants to help. I'm just going to stop now. I built this boat for what? Eight people and a whole bunch of animals. The whole world's mocking me, laughing at me, cussing me. Making fun of you in the process. I look like an idiot. I'm working my tail off 120 years. I got a beard down to my toes. I'm sitting here trying to work. REMs play a million times and nobody's wanting to be a part of this. I guess the results are proof that God wasn't in it because nobody showed up. I bet he probably said this is never going to work. This is never going to work. This is post-Garden of Eden. Lions eat you at this point. Tigers will bite you. Warthogs will tusk you. Spiders will crawl on you. Can we take a knee and thank God that spiders don't have wings? Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? This is never going to work. You want me to build the boat, and then after I build the boat, you want me to get animals, male and female, and get them on the ship. This is never going to happen. You ever had God download something on your hard drive, and you say, this is never going to happen? Like, there's no way this is ever going to work? Like, I can't do this? Guess what? God will sign you up for it, the stuff you can't do. Because if you can do it, you don't need God, you don't need faith. And if you did it, then that means you did it. But if it's something you couldn't do and it happens, that means God did it and you didn't build it. He had tenacity. He could have said, it's never rained before. It hasn't rained yet. You keep saying it's going to happen, it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> right now I'm just preaching myself. Y'all talk amongst yourselves. You keep saying it's going to happen and it hasn't happened yet. He's like, keep building, boy. Keep building. If I said it's going to rain, it's going to rain. Build your boat. 
He had a can't-quit drive, a can't-quit gear called tenacity. He had faith. Noah had faith. That was the other reason I know he made this thing. He had faith. He said, I'm going to do my part and God will do his. I have a job to do. Build a boat. God has a job to do. Make it float. It was not Noah's job to make it float. One of y'all going to get this in a second. It was not Noah's job to make it float. God said, you build that thing. And don't you worry about getting in the water. I'll get the water to it. All you need to do is build it, and I'll make it rain. I'll do my part. You do yours. I've asked you to do that. I've got the clouds ready. I've got the atmospheric pressure ready. I don't care what Ken Cook said. The forecast says rain. I know what I'm doing. Build your boat. Finish what you start. Drive a nail of commitment in the thing you told me you were going to do and stick by it. I don't care if it takes 120 years. Don't walk away from what you started. Well, it ain't rain yet. It ain't happened yet. I bet God let Noah feel the first raindrop. Bam. What the heck? Stupid bird. Bam. Faith. Just build your boat and God will make it float. He made. So he moved. He made. Lastly, he mattered. Everybody say he mattered. He mattered. Noah built something that mattered. Are y'all getting anything out of this? We're loading up somebody's boat this morning. When it was all said and done, what Noah did with his life mattered to the big picture. Obviously, because me and you are sitting here. What he did mattered. To him, it may have looked like a, a miss. May have looked like a misfire. May have looked like a mistake. May have looked like he was misled or he misunderstood. But the reality is, what he, he made it because he made it. And what he made mattered. Now, I'll be honest with you. I think Noah's biggest struggle was, was, was on a daily basis. I, if I was him, my struggle would have been on a daily basis. And, and, and what I mean by that is in order for what he was building with his life to matter, it had to matter with what he built with his days, his weeks, and his months to matter. I mean, think about this, y'all. He's a human being. And every person that God puts in Scripture is somebody you and I can relate to because they're like us. They're a human being. So surely Noah had days where he wasted his time. Think about it. He had to have weeks Maybe months. I mean, maybe that's why it took him 120 years. Because he had days where he's like, I'm losing my freaking mind. I mean, maybe, maybe this would explain, you know, him getting crazy off his tail drunk after the flood. You know, maybe he's like, I need a drink. We're not going to talk about that right now. I think it took 120 years because... There was an adjustment. He had to figure out every day, every week, every month how to do things that mattered so what he was building would matter. See, I wrote this down. What we fail to realize is that much of what we do, whether we know it or not, it actually matters. And much of what we do, whether we know it or not, doesn't really matter. Well, well all that you do matters, doesn't it? Like everything you do in a day, in a week, in a 
Doesn't it all matter? Like, even the seemingly insignificant stuff, doesn't it all matter? Like, it matters if you go to work, right? It matters if you go to class. It matters if you clock in and it matters if you clock out. It matters if you study for your tests and your exams. It matters if you finish that work project. It matters if you brush your teeth. It matters if you eat lunch. It matters if you get your caffeine. It matters if you read your Bible. It matters if you spend time with your kids. It matters if you pay your bills, right? It matters if you give financially to your church. It, it matters if you make healthier choices at dinner. It matters if you cut the grass. It matters if you join and attend a small group. All those random things matter. But do they really? Do they really matter? Yeah, they matter. The question is, do they matter to the boat you're trying to build? Because if your days and your weeks and your months are filled up with things that don't matter to the boat you're building, then guess what? In the big picture, they're not really going to matter. Can I unpack this thought a little bit better? For example, if you need your caffeine, are y'all ready? I'm going to go there. You ready? You ready? Because I got some right now pumping through my veins. If it matters to you to get your caffeine, does it matter to the boat you're building if you get Starbucks caffeine four times a week? Stay with me now. Stay with me now. Does it matter? It matters if you get caffeine, right? You're one of those guys. You're one of those girls. I get you. I am too. I got to have caffeine. Got to. Got to have it. All right? <laughs> but does it matter if I get Starbucks caffeine four times a week? Well, it may not matter to your boat for you to do that if your boat involves a Christ-centered life position in serving God through your church, being a good steward of your finances, and that involves you giving 10% of your paycheck to God, that won't matter to your boat if you are on a fixed income as a single parent who can barely make it by and can't even afford to tithe, yet you need caffeine Starbucks four times a week. It won't matter to your boat. You need caffeine, but do you need that caffeine four times a week. Now, that's a negative example. Let me give you a different one. It matters if you study for your test. It does. It matters if you study for your test. And it matters if you don't study. Uh, study and you'll get A's. Don't study. You're smart. You'll get B's. But let's face it. B's will help you graduate just like A's will. But getting all B's does not position you with a GPA that will get you the college you need to go to, to get you the education you are supposed to have so you can later build the business you are supposed to build to get the opportunities you were supposed to have because all of that was part of the boat, but you didn't want to study, so yeah, it matters if you study. Because you can't build a boat, not your boat, with your bees. Y'all are like, dude, you're like several months late on that. They're at a school, you idiot. <laughs> they got another year. It matters if you spend time with your kids. Y'all want me to keep going with this? I'm almost done. Listen to this. You ready? Brace yourself. It matters if you spend time with your kids. From the moment your child is born, you have on the average 18 years with them under your roof. All right? So out of that 18 years, you have a limited time to directly influence them. Well, hold on now. You do not have 18 years to directly influence your child. 
You don't have 18 years. I said you have 18 years of them under your roof on the average. You don't have 18 years to directly influence them. Your child does not create an impressionable memory until the age of seven or eight. I said an impressionable memory, which means you can form, shape, mold, fashion, make a mark, and it stays. They, they have childhood amnesia all the way through the age of six. Now, they have some memories, like, like that snapshots, but the impressionable memory on the average for most children, research says, is between seven and eight. And when the child gets 13 to 16, you as the parent begin to lose your direct voice of influence. So what that really means is if you just take the, the you take the, 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 the um, if, if we're just kind of generous with those numbers and we say from 7 to 16, that is my window of direct influence with my kid, you have roughly nine years to be a direct voice of influence with your child. That is 108 months. That's 468 weeks. So, so when, you have a, when you have a child, you have 468 weeks. Those things that are made of seven days that go by like that, you blink your eye when you're a kid. A week lasted forever during the summer. Remember that? Summer's forever! And now you're, you wake up and you're like, oh my God, it's June. Those things that go by so fast that make up your life, you have 468 with your kid to be a direct voice of influence. So... If your child is 13 years old and you lose your voice of influence when they turn 16, then that means you have 156 weeks left to be a major voice of influence in their life. That means you have 156 weeks to say everything you want to say to them. To hug them, to kiss them, to tell them you're proud of them, to inspire them, to teach them, to lead them, to pray with them. Because one day they're going to leave the house and that's when the clay leaves the will. They'll be in a dorm room or an apartment and somebody's going to introduce them to something you hopefully prepared them for. A professor is going to tell them something contrary to the Bible that you lived in front of them. And they will be on their own, away from the potter's wheel, to make choices with the memory you help create. So, yeah. It matters if you spend time with your kids. And it matters if you don't. Because they are going to grow up and live the rest of their life stepping away from the boat you did or didn't build. See, the clay, the clay is so impressionable from 7 to 16. Impressionable means you can make a mark on there because when it's soft, you can make a mark and it stays. One day the clay is going to harden. Many of us are shaped and fashioned the way we are is because somebody made a mark. And when you get 16, 17, 18, and you start making choices that you don't need to make, and adults try to prepare you for, you lose your innocence. You start creating a past that you have to live with the rest of your life, experiences that begin to mold and shape your brain patterns and your thought patterns and your character and your personality, and you become hard clay. And right now, many of us have the very marks from where we were impressionable. What dad did or didn't do, left a mark. What mom did or didn't do, left a mark. What a Sunday school teacher said or didn't say, left a mark. 
and now we're hard clay. And, and listen, the mark you make on your child now determines their relationship with God two decades from now, their relationship with other people, their relationship with their spouse, their kids, their relationship with you. You know why me and Jake and Ryan are able to have such a healthy relationship with my mom and dad is because they left the right kind of mark on us. They left the right kind of impression on us. They spent time with us. Hey, did they spent time with us. My dad loved football, not baseball, but he played baseball with me. My mom spent time with us. She would take us to Macy's. She took us everywhere she went, and we would play in the clothes and get in trouble and hit our heads and smack each other. But I have so many impressionable memories of just time with my parents. So when we have a chance, we go over there because we want to be around the hands that help shape and form us. But you will stay the heck away from hands that never handled you right. All that's part of building your boat. You know why I know that's part of building your boat? Because these little people I'm talking about are supposed to ride on it. They're supposed to be on your boat. Then you ask yourself the following. In a given day, how many of my actions are spent on something that doesn't matter to the boat? I didn't say it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to the boat. In a given week, how much of your time is spent on something that doesn't matter to the boat? In a given month, how much of your money is spent on something that doesn't matter to the boat? Here's why what you do with your life would matter to your boat. Here's why it matters to your boat. Your boat matters. What you build with your life matters. Your boat matters. What if no one never built the ark? What if you never built it? Would anyone notice? Yeah. Yeah. What if you stopped doing what it is you do? Would anyone notice? People... Notice when what you do matters because it serves a purpose. So I want you to hear me out, and I'm done. You matter, okay? You matter. You matter. The boat you're supposed to build matters. It does matter. It matters if you do it, and it's going to matter if you don't do it. It's going to matter if you build it, and it's going to matter if you don't build it. It's going to matter if you do something with your life, and it's going to matter if you don't. Like Noah, what you do matters to your world. Verse 7 says that when he built this ark, it was to the saving of his house. It mattered to his world. And what you do with your life matters to your world. What you do with your life like Noah matters to the world. You and me are proof that what Noah did mattered to the world. Because that's the only reason we're here. I don't know if you understand the complexities that were at play in Genesis 6, 7, and 8, but Satan had hijacked the human race's DNA. You understand that, right? Fallen angels had slept with women and produced a hybrid mutant species of creation. And he was taking over the human race. Why was he wanting to pollute the blood or the DNA of the human race? Because in the garden, the prophecy was proclaimed, the seed of the woman is going to crush the head of the serpent, which means her seed coming from her lineage, a child will be born, a Messiah, a Savior that will destroy the works of the devil. Satan was smart enough to figure out he's going to use the human race to solve this problem. I'm going to corrupt the bloodline. That's why when the Bible says Noah was perfect, it's not talking about he was flawless. It's talking about his blood had not yet been tainted by this corrupt DNA. 
And so God said, I need you to do this. Because everything's coming down one day. And 100 years from now, a lot of the stuff you think matters won't matter. What matters is you building that boat. So I want to say the same thing to you. What you think matters might not matter as much as you think it does. And what does matter are some things you've been overlooking. Because 100 years from now, the only thing that's going to matter is did you build your own boat?